0: What is up, everybody? This is Dr. Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to The Moose Room. I'm in my car, testing out a new setup, trying to make audio quality better while we're on the road, because honestly, it's been a little sketchy to this point. But we've got so much windshield time, I just need to be able to record in the car, because it's just valuable time that otherwise talking to myself anyway i might as well record it right so we are updating you on what's going on at this feedlot that's been having the brd issues episode 191 is previous episode on this and i highly recommend you go listen to that before you listen to this because today's not gonna make a ton of sense unless you've listened to that episode previously we talked about how they're getting animals in at 10 weeks old dairy cross beef animals and then they're having issues at about 30 days on feed We talked a lot about the supplier in that mix. And one thing I want to talk about before we really get into it today is it's really unrealistic to think that you're going to learn everything. And on top of that, learn everything correctly about a farm in just one go, especially over the phone. It just doesn't work super well. I talked to this farmer on the phone twice and I still got some stuff wrong based on our conversation and just miscommunication about what's actually happening. So I told you guys that they are getting animals from a supplier who's buying them from the sale barn and they're coming to the feedlot. And we talked about how that's a high risk situation. In reality, what's actually happening is they are getting calves that originally came from the sale barn. They're not getting them being sold at the sale barn at 10 weeks. They're being bought by a supplier at two to five days old and then raised by that grower, that supplier, to 10 weeks and then coming to the farm. So originally they were at a sale barn, but they are not a put together group at the barn that comes from the barn directly to the feedlot. And that drastically changes their risk assessment. They are potentially still high risk calves depending on how much history we can get, but they're not even close to as high risk as they were before, when I thought they were being sold at the sale barn at 10 weeks old and then coming. They're being bought at a young age, put together, raised together by one grower and then sent out. So we have a lot more control in this situation than we thought, especially if this feedlot has a good relationship with the grower because they can work with the grower and figure out if there's anything wrong there that can be fixed or changed to try to create a better product at the end of that process. That will help everyone. Not only this feedlot, but the grower has their own feedlot, so it will help them and any of their other clients that will also help them. My ultimate goal in this situation is to try to get to the grower. If everything checks out at this feedlot and everything's going great, I'd love to get to this grower and see what's going on and see if we can fix things there and help everybody. That would help a lot more people than just the feedlot that I'm going to. That's the end goal. And I would be very excited about that if you couldn't tell. So we have more information on uh, deads as well. So we have a couple of calves that died, hadn't been treated as much as some of the previous calves. So we sent them to the diagnostic lab and we got some results from there. What we saw on the diagnostic lab report was mycoplasma and some signs of chronic lungs. So what we see in this is that there's consolidated lungs, adhesions to the body wall, microabscesses, and a pretty classic mycoplasma chronic lung pattern. Now I've said mycoplasma a couple times now, and this is a somewhat controversial topic, even within the veterinary community. What is the solution? Well, for mycoplasma, in my opinion, I think mycoplasma Is a secondary infection caused by some sort of lung damage. Now that lung damage does not have to be infectious, it could be a ventilation issue, it could be be infectious, but some sort of insult to the initial defense system of the upper respiratory tract, the trachea, or the lungs themselves has to happen first before the mycoplasma sets up. So we have potentially a management solution to this problem, rather than finding it on the end of a needle. Issues with that take or scathing rebuttals, I encourage you to reach out the movesroom at umn.edu. I'm happy to talk to anyone about this issue. I am welcome any feedback uh, or any data that someone can show me to tell me that I'm wrong. So what are we doing at the feedlot based on those results? Well, we are going to treat one of the groups that came in metaphylactically We are also going to let them sit for a little bit and then give them a mycoplasma vaccine ahead of when they normally break so that we have a good two weeks before they usually would break with that vaccine in place but those are all being done under the understanding that these are band-aids until we can find the original and the root cause of the problem and fix that with the goal being to take that vaccine out and stop paying for it stop having to run them through the chute With that in place mycoplasma vaccines are not easy on animals so we're losing some performance in the in the effort to knock this down a little bit we'll see how well this works i don't have super high hopes for it working very well but the break even on the the treatment plus the vaccine it's looking like it's okay and we walked through how to make that decision with a partial budget with the producer and he was fine with giving it a go to try knowing that we're trying to take it out eventually. That's the ultimate goal. So let's talk about the supplier and the grower just a little bit. What do I look for when I'm looking for a source, when I have a grower of these calves? What am I looking for first? Well, I'm definitely looking at nutrition if I can get that information. The other spot check that I I like to see is looking at vaccine protocols because I, I think based on a lot of the protocols that I've seen, I can tell whether or not that producer has their priorities in the right place based on how often they're giving vaccines and how often they're touching these animals. I'm not going to get in my soapbox about vaccines. You guys know my opinion on that when it comes to giving too much and asking these calves to do too much at an uh, early age and asking their immune system to perform and taking that energy away from them that they could be putting towards growth. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. What we're seeing in this grower is that they are giving too many vaccines. They're, They're just touching these animals too often. They're hitting them with a needle too often. Day one, day three, day five, day 10, day 20. They're just touching them too much. And that is a good spot check, in my opinion, for do they really have a handle on what they should be prioritizing, which is nutrition, bedding, clean and dry, ventilation, all these things that matter so much more than poking them with a needle every other day. So what we find on this grower is that, yes, when I find that I get some more information about history on these calves, I'm seeing that they're touching them too often, in my opinion, and they're giving too many vaccines. For me, there's a win-win situation here. If we can get to that grower and we can say, hey, I'd really like to come out. I'd like to see your place. I know that you're having an issue in your feedlot. Uh, this feedlot that's contacted with me and I'm working with, they're having an issue. I'd really like to see how you're doing things. I, I, I want to be able to help if I can't. If we can get to that grower and they are doing some things that, that I'd like to see change and we can convince them of the value of changing things in a certain way and working and prioritizing uh, some things over others rather than trying to find solutions at the end of a needle, everyone wins. We get healthier calves in the, in the long run that the grower can charge more for and people are willing to pay more for because they know that they're set up correctly and they perform well in the feedlot. There's so much less stress for everybody because there's less mortality, less morbidity. It's just a win-win all the way around. If we can work all together on it and fix the whole loop in the system, I'm really, really excited about that. What would be even cooler would be if I can get the grower to find a supplier or a set of suppliers and get them directly from the dairy. Then we can even work with the dairies on trying to get colostrum right. And if we get to that point, I'm gonna be super excited and you guys are gonna hear all about it. So with this feedlot, we've got more information about the, the supplier and how that's working. I'm really excited that I hopefully we will get to work with them. We've got some necropsy results that are influencing what we do in the meantime, because this isn't gonna get fixed overnight, even if we do get to the grower and, and help them. And I've got a date scheduled to go out there, meet with the local veterinarian, nutritionist everybody involved that I can think of we're all going to be there on the same day walk through this feedlot make sure we are doing things right at that feedlot first before I try to get in touch with this grower I think that covers the update I really appreciate you guys listening please reach out if you have questions comments or scathing rebuttals those go to the moose room at umn.edu Check us out on Twitter at UMN Moosrum and at UMN Farm Safety. Check Bradley out on Instagram at UMN WCROC Dairy. Thank you again for listening, everybody. I hope to catch you next week.